welcome to CityWare Select Reportcast. And joining me today is Manuela Froelich, co-founder of Funds Frauen, and Nisha Long, head of ESG and cross-border research at CityWire. Manuela, Nisha, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very great to be here. Uh, Manuela, you've been part of our fantastic judging panel at Gender Diversity Awards, and that's been two years in a row that you've been helping us uh, out with this initiative. So what I wanted to talk to you about today, or at least to start with today, is actually how do you think companies have progressed compared to uh, last year, well, the previous year, the first year that we held the awards? Because I felt from my perspective that some of the answers could have been better, but others were quite impressive, for example, on the engagement with companies on gender diversity practices. So what's your take compared to even the first year you've done this? Oh, yes, I can agree on that, that some, uh, and it's a shame some of the companies were just not taking that apparently too serious, and we're not naming anyone, here, of course, but I personally found some of the questionnaires like uh, BNP or SCB really very convincing, they were very detailed. They made the case for what they stand up for. And even if they did not win an award in the end, the nomination alone, I think, which is based on your clear figures you provide, is an accomplishment anyway. And it was also uh, very interesting to see so many different countries represented. So it's not only the UK managers. We had representations from Germany, Nordics, France, or Spain. And I think that was to get a broader angle and to have a broader um, um, feedback. Uh, I think that's what's really important and it recognizes and celebrates the awards in the industry and it will encourage managers talking in five years' time to really raise their game. Mm -hmm. Well, I think an interesting thing you mentioned is about gaps. And I was wondering, where do you see kind of like those gaps being widest? And the second thing probably to follow up from that, uh, what does it tell us about what the industry is lacking when it comes to gender diversity in fund management? Well, in terms of gaps, I mean, there are several challenges still out there and uh, probably takes me half an hour to go through that which we don't want now so i think there is two i want to pick um so one of the challenges despite the progress we've already made are the investors i think so currently that's what i feel and i see is not enough investors demand so there's no reason to change anything for the product providers so we can see a few moving in the right direction and recently, a few talked publicly about how they're going to um, drive their future investment decision on gender balance. But um, it's it's not the masses yet. So if this continues and they act, not only talk, then I think we will see a, a clear shift in the next few years towards the gender balance. Well, if I look into all the questionnaires, and there were many in there, um, I think it's sometimes that the, the people answering it, they don't understand the importance of uh, of this of these awards and how to answer them properly, or when I'm most uh, disappointed is when they copy and paste it from their marketing materials, which means that yes, we are embracing gender diversity on a marketing brochure, but we actually didn't understand your questions, and that's why we're copying pasting standardized answers. So I think it always, I mean, in the end, it's always people's business. So the people they are receiving these questionnaires, that they, they need to understand. Um, how important it is to to take that seriously. Um, and given all the amounts of work we all had in last year and, and COVID and not, 
and whatnot. I think it's just um, um, finding the right people to answer that. And actually, the firms who receive this questionnaire should actually look into that and so de- have dedicated people who know what they're answering. Anisha, would you agree with that sentiment? Because I think there is something to say about the importance of having, for example, diversity and inclusion officer, for, for example, or maybe even just, if the firm is too small, just a dedicated person who will take it to heart and really foster it in the company. Yeah, at the end of the day, if you think about it, these awards are a way to celebrate gender diversity within the firms. So even though some of the companies, well, the companies were on the shortlist, I was surprised at some of the responses. Um, perhaps it was, it could be country differences, maybe. So they were picking and choosing which questions to ask. I mean, there was quite a lot of discrepancy with what was answered um, in one country compared to a different country, for example. That's what I noticed and um, what they thought was more, most relevant, which then again, we judges might not have thought was as relevant. So I think um, it is about keep talking, keep well answering all the questions. So we had, you know, the rounded view that we were looking for. And the interesting point that I had after these awards were those groups who didn't win. I was getting messages afterwards saying, how, why did we not win? You know, what could we do better? And my simple response to them was, just answer all the questions. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'd get a much better view. It's like those companies who, you know, didn't make it through, didn't answer the questions we wanted answering, you know, to give us that good view. And we just couldn't make, you know, somebody a winner because, you know, of the different, somebody answered better. And I know it's not all about that, but if when it was some, so tight in the judging process as companies, you know, who were, you know, could have been joint winners, we had to make that decision. And if one answered the questions and one didn't, you know, we had to make that decision. May I add an anecdote to that? Uh, when we had the fourth round awards, we, we do it quite differently than CityWire. So you are based on facts and figures, and then you write to the um, nominated companies. And with us, it's a public choice award. So we, we reach out and, and publicly uh, announce it, and then we need to get the nominations by you know our community. And if they are not putting names on it or companies, then we can't judge on them. So we get also a large firms saying, why are we not in the list? We are doing so much for gender diversity. Well, apparently nobody recognizes it because nobody is nominating you. And they can't even nominate themselves, which is the interesting bit about it. From what I hear from both of you, I think there is a bit of an interesting dilemma of communication problem. So hmm. sometimes firms are doing actually a lot, or at least are kind of like making good progress uh, based on numbers, but then talking about it or even giving tangible examples uh, seems to be a bit of a problem. And I was wondering, and going probably back a little bit to one of the points I made earlier, is that the function of, I don't know, maybe CEO of the company? Is that maybe something that HR has to do? Or maybe there is a point in, at least in bigger firms, having a big diversity and inclusion department that actually will be kind of like ensuring that they are putting their best foot forward, for example. What what Forefront did was actually um, putting up a two-pager saying it, it always a member of the C committee should be responsible for this, should be responsible for gender diversity and or for diversity in general. And so C-suit, right? So C-suit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be responsible and to implement clear measurements, so KPIs and, and be transparent about it. And then... Of course, you have different sizes of management groups, as you already mentioned, if it's a smaller firm. Um, It's about being aware. And once you're aware, define for your company 
what the best fit is, but not just ignoring the fact that, oh, we're a small company, we can't do anything, or oh, we are too large and we do so much, but we actually uh, put it on our marketing material, but then we, we don't act on it. And a good example might be Goldman Sachs, a good example might be now recently um, State Street Global Advisors, where they, as an investor, say, this is what our plan is, this is how we change the future of investing. Uh, and have clear commitment out there, everybody realizes it. There might be 50 more companies doing exactly the same thing, but because it was visible on social media, it got lots of traction. We, where we have uh, diversity and, and gender balance um, kind of as a feed for our social media, we come across this immediately, we share this, and we get the biggest hits on that as well from forefront from the social media aspect. So it's about having a clear communication policy, not only about your firm and, and your products, but also about this and share it. Yeah, uh, well, it's an excellent point because I think it requires taking a step back and kind of trying to assess what you stand for as an organization. Mm. So it's kind of like mission statement and what kind of role diversity plays than that. And then kind of that will help for everybody, including employees of the company to understand what does that the company stand for and what the company is doing. So hopefully also result in a big, bigger push even with, from within the company towards diversity and inclusion. So Nisha, do you think any kind of like specific things could be done to make it better? Yeah, I think at the moment what people are looking at now, especially when they're joining a firm or considering joining a firm, is they are looking at, you know, things like diversity, inclusivity, you know, it's not just, okay, that job is paying me X amount of money. They want to know that they're going to be well looked after, their values are going to be represented as well as them, you know, representing the values of their company or the company they're going to join or the ones they're in at the moment. So I think it is, has a lot to do with attracting talent and getting the right talent into the firm. If you're giving out that right message as well, but also with these awards, we, you know, we do have the stats. We know that the companies were doing something right in the first place. They have got, you know, higher percentage of female fund managers or, you know, retention rates are, you know, increasing is better. So there's a reason to stay within those firms. And I think as you know, we are moving forward, there is a larger workforce going forward. And if you want to get that talent in, you need to show all your credentials out there. Um, yes, it's working within the firm, but people don't know about those. Um, and I think what this, these awards also show is that we want to, wanted to highlight those companies about, you know, the best practices that these companies have as well in attracting talent and keeping them there, especially with females, but also diversity. And it can have better investor outcomes as well. And that has been proven, you know, in certain, you know, academic literature and research that a lot of people have been doing. So I think um, shout out about, you know, all the good stuff that you're doing, because it is always a doom and gloom. And I think we spoke to Nick Samuels, another fellow judge, and he was saying that this these awards were something that was good in the industry because we're always bashing that, oh, it's only 10% female firm managers, it's only this and that, but to actually celebrate those companies which have done well. But what we want to know from them is, come on, share your best practices. We can learn from them. And or the smaller groups, if they don't have those diversity and inclusion heads, for example, you know, you can piggy bank on some of these ideas and, you know, and if they've worked, you know, share them. Mm -hmm. 
Well, if I put myself in the place of a budding female fund manager, for example, and I'm looking for another job, what are the things that I'm going to look at? Well, obviously, salary and everything that comes with that. But if I had a bad experience in terms of kind of like in the previous firm when it comes to gender diversity and kind of practices around it, then if I move, then I'm definitely going to prefer a company that actually seems to be doing way more on that front. So I think that's kind of like almost a no-brainer, but I don't think that many companies are actually paying attention to it. So if we move the conversation forward, what I found very interesting, both with the awards and the panel, is the geographical scope that they had. And Manuel, I wanted to kind of like go back to you on regional differences, because obviously you have an insight from Germany, Switzerland, and I think specifics there are slightly different compared to the UK, or even other countries in the mainland, the mainland Europe, for example. Yeah, sure. So when we started Forefront in 2014, we tended to focus on the German market because of our background and our expertise. And we we very easily branched out to Austria, Switzerland and Luxembourg because of the demand of the support in the industry. And when we started out and also in my, I'd say, earlier years, um, we always looked at the best practice role models where we saw it at Nordics or France. Um, and we tried to analyze their success. And I mean, a key differentiator is, as most of us know, is the it's just a different mindset. It's driven by their local culture, um, the whole family and career, um, the way they, they, they treat the women, the way women are promoted. It's just a natural thing. They don't think in gender. Where we still think in gender balance, they don't do that. It's, it's natural to attract talent. And uh, an interesting case always is Spain, especially on the fund management side, and you know that better than I, the numbers, but at least it's it also sticks to my mind that in Spain you have higher numbers of female fund managers, same in Italy. And we had one lady joining uh, one of our events and uh, from Spain, and she said, well, it's because women in Spain like to study maths. And it, it comes back to the saying, um, if you can't see it, you can't be it, or something like that similar. Um is like they see the, the other women, they're studying math, they end up in fund management, they have a great career, and then they're visible. And then you have friends or family, and there are a few female fund managers. So what are you going to do? Of course, you want to be the same. They're your role model. You want to be like them. So this is where the talent, the female talent, attracts the female talent. And, and we don't have that in Germany, for example. Um, there are not that many female fund managers. Um, if we focus on that area... Um, they are not exchanging unless we came along and, and made them to exchange in networking events. Uh, and that actually works. And then we went out to universities and the, the female young students, they were kind of really taken aback when uh, a fund manager successful running a couple of hundred million uh, funds, having three kids and a family and explaining how this all works together. Mm hmm. Well, I think uh, there is an interesting thing that Germany specifically, it's decentralized nature of the financial industry as well. Well, a bulk of kind of financial firms are in Frankfurt, but there will be a lot dotted around the country. Well, for example, think about Spain or specifically the UK, London is the big place where everyone yeah. congregates, basically. So I think there is a bit of a kind of geographical difference even. Oh, absolutely. 
And then again, the, the, the whole cultural and the mindset. I mean, even talking about Switzerland, since I live here now, it's, uh, Switzerland is, is, is still far behind with that. It's always like a, a more status that the, the women don't work like the typical Swiss women. And hopefully we don't have too many Swiss listeners and then they don't like what I'm saying now. We can cut it. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's the culture playing along from a very early age is always how, how we get influenced. And this is what we're trying to break, you know, the, with you with the awards, us with uh, the way we're doing our job at Forfrown. It's just breaking this all up and, and, and showing more, be, becoming more aware of the whole solutions. I mean, we're, in the end, we're all offering solutions and visibility and how to match that up. Then it's down to the individual managers, but it's all manageable. I think um, what I wanted to say before was uh, Manuel hit it on the head by saying about role models. If you've got the role models there, you know, that gives your, you definitely gives the visibility and that, you know, fund management is a viable, you know, profession for females. You know, I think that's an important thing as well, because not a lot of people know about what fund management is when they're coming from schools, you know, or into universities. Yes, you know about the economics, you know about being an accountant, for example, you know, having these maths degrees, etc. But I think having that analyst to the fund manager, etc., role, you know, describe to them in a way that they understand that they want they want to come into this. Um, and then having that pipeline of um, female fund managers, well, coming through so they can become fund managers in the end. And one question I did have for uh, Manuela, do you think the pandemic has actually accelerated this pipeline coming through or has it made it stop? Ooh, that's actually, um, I think it's, it's actually both. The pandemic made women more flexible uh, with the home office option and companies that has had a absolutely no home office policies in the past year and were quite unflexible and there were still many out there suddenly understood and realized oh it's all working it's working perfectly uh, i mean it might be even working better um, so women had more chance to actually um, step up and and show what they are capable of uh, in a pandemic and um, I think that that brings them more out. So they, they've performed better um, and they have a chance to be more visible um, in all these kind of panels and events as fund managers. So I think we're, when it always came to physical travel and because of family and other um, um, commitments that women might have tended to stick it you know, to their desk and, and let the let the colleagues travel. But now they can sit in for half an hour or an hour and it doesn't matter where they sit. There are three elements in it. It's, it's one is that uh, if, if the um, event providers understand now the flexibility, they are really focusing on mixed panels now. So they bring more female fund managers in. And again, more female fund managers being visible means other female fund managers are watching and they're thinking, oh, she's out there, so I can do this. So they get just they get more self-consciousness about it. And we had this recently uh, um, on, our, on a digital talk, the whole imposter syndrome. They, they, they think always like, oh, I can't do that. And this, there's nothing I can say or, or people, what would people think of me? But that whole digitalization brought really the women forward. Uh, I would say so. It 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 is definitely positive, but at the, the the downside is that again women tend to really you know um, not stick up their head, but actually go on with the work. So they're so busy again and and working probably uh, even more at in the home office that they are sometimes not visible as some 
strategic parts of the company and where you have your regular meetings and where you meet people on the floor and you have your um, discussions um, um, between uh, between the departments. And I think that might be a, a actually the, the negative effect of, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So confidence is such an important thing. And I, I, I think one interesting quirk I've noticed when I interview female fund managers, they want to be prepared ahead of time. Yeah. These are some of the people who send me qu- questions like, can you send me questions in advance before we talk? And that is kind of like proving the point that they want to be overly prepared even compared to their male colleagues. I'm not kind of saying that is the case for like everybody, but I did notice that myself. And what I thought was also quite interesting from uh, our questioners is that some firms that actually won the awards have those programs in place to put female speakers forward. And this is something that seems to be we have a need to do purposefully opposite to just leave, leave it to chance because if you are self-conscious and you are not being helped by your company to improve on that or not being offered that, nothing is ever going to change. Um, so that's definitely a big part of that. Anisha, would you agree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think one of the things as well, when I have spoken to some female fund managers that I've been um, on panels with, for example, it is the lack of media training that they have received compared to their male colleagues, which has put them in a slight disadvantage. You know, when you know they are put forward to going to speak at conferences or being on a panel discussion. And I think, yes, the confidence issue does come up there, but the company supporting them as well, as they would anybody else within a company or the male colleagues or having that training does help, you know, put those people forward. And they've got just as, you know, very good um, things to say. And we want to hear about that. I just want to come back to a point as well. We were talking about um, when the pandemic and that has accelerated, you know, how females are seen with you know, these conferences or discussions, etc. But I just want to flip it to men as well. And I think what's changed with males, fund managers that I've spoken to as well, they, they're wanting the parental leave. They've had time to spend with their families. And a lot of them have said, you know what, we have missed out, especially with our children at the younger age. We would have wanted to have, say, three months at home, you know, with our child. And that is being made possible now, especially in the companies that we saw, um, you know, from the questionnaires, from the shortlists of the Gender Diversity Awards of parental leave being enhanced for male and females within each firm. And I think that was a real standout feature and a very much a positive that has come out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Nisha. Mm-hmm. And Manuela, uh, if we move away from uh, City of Origin and the Diversity Awards, Potsfrauen uh, and KPMG did an excellent study on uh, female representation. And what I liked is those clear-cut takeaways from it, which was measuring KPIs and transparency. So why those three takeaways, firstly, and secondly, why they matter? Well, we wanted to deliver, I mean, the, the study we've done for a couple of years already. And so the idea was to really have it on a, something that is the language of our industry uh, in other uh, dimensions in whenever you ma- ma- manage performance or measure performance for 
any of us like working for an asset manager, whether it's fund management or in other roles. So we wanted to use the same language uh, for everybody to make understand these are the three things that you have already in your day job, basically, when it's not uh, when it's not only about gender diversity. And this is uh, what I mentioned before with the responsibility of a C-suite. So somebody needs to be um, responsible for that and needs to um, define the measurement characters. And as we all know, if you can measure something, you can measure the improvement and that will show if you're on the right track or not. So this is how we are trying to support smaller firms. I mean, as I said, the large firms, they have that all in their in their um, KPIs or in their performance reports already. Um, but for us, it was it was important to show this that also other firms can think about it and say, oh, it's like similar to what we're doing in our day job, in our real business. Um, we might as well just also implement that from a gender diversity perspective. And then, of course, the transparency is key these days. I mean, we have lots of data and data are really, uh, yeah, horrible to get to. But on the other hand, the more the more firms have this transparency, the easier it's then to collect the data at some point. Mm -hmm. Manuela, you obviously, for obvious reasons, uh, focus in on uh, gender diversity because this is uh, the purpose of the whole organization, Ponsfrauen. But do you start noticing a bit of an increased interest in broader types of diversity, like, for example, ethnical diversity, uh, minorities representation, LGBTQ rights? And how does that overlap, for example, with what Ponsfrauen is doing, if at all? We've received this question many, many times to say, uh, or as a question or as an argument uh, for not only working for gender diversity, but we need to look into the broader diversity picture. I mean, we picked that topic because uh, back then in Germany, the, the female quota was um, announced. So that was our mission to, to use gender diversity. And I'm always saying very bluntly, if you bring the women in the right position and you have a gender balance, the rest of diversity will follow automatically. Why? Because women care. I wouldn't say that men don't care, so don't get me wrong, all you men out there listening. Um, this is nothing against men. It's just on a natural source, women care. And if women care, they care about diversity in general. So if, if you have more women in leading positions, the, the rest of the diversity and all those relevant KPIs and responsibilities will follow. One clear success factor always whether it's uh, with forefront or anything else, is the focus. So if we have started, and and then thinking also into UK and US is far more advanced throughout the years for the broader diversity, um, whereas Ch Germany and the German-speaking countries are a, a step behind that, I would say. So for us, it was important to focus on one thing that we know, that we can talk about, and then we, that and what and of which we are very passionate about, and to take this forward and not to start s spreading too thin at the beginning and getting sidetracked. And um, what the future brings, we don't know. So it, it can be other countries, it can be a broader diversity, but we wanted to make the first focus successful to then build up from that. Nishan, what do you think? Because I know that you uh, tackled not only gender diversity, but other aspects of diversity as part of your research and also in the uh, excellent diversity day that we had last year, for example. Yeah, I think um, 
as Manuel said, you know, the conversation ha started, has started with um, gender diversity and it has made not the leaps and bounds that we want to see, but we've, the conversation has started and that continues. And what we need to see now doing the research um, is the lack of data that we do have. And that can be for different reasons and different regulations in different countries, etc. So that is a bit of a pushback on trying to get data of the fund managers, especially, you know, who... Uh, what ethnic minority groups do they are they in etc how many are coming through even lgbt plus you know how do you get um this data of these people and to you know that we can make and will they be comfortable sharing that kind of data as exactly well? yeah absolutely and i think that's that's where this you know the point comes where it has to be a bit subjective in this, you know, how you're looking at it, but the conversation needs to start. It's the same as what happened with gender diversity. The conversation had to start somewhere, even though it's taken this long to get where we are now. And it's nowhere near where we should be, in my opinion. But it's the same with having those conversations about the rest of diversity. It's such a broad area that we've just tapped into a tiny part of that. And I think, you know, once that is, well, we start making companies accountable, you know, why sharing best practices, why diversity is so important, and the outcomes and in investor outcomes that you have in this industry with having diversity. And I think it's a big topic to grasp at the moment. But as long as we keep talking, to keep talking about it, somebody's going to hear us, others are going to hear us. And, you know, that's how we're going to start you know, it doesn't have to be the data that we need. It's we will know that, you know, organically we'll know what's coming through the pipeline, who's coming through the pipeline, etc. I couldn't agree more. Manuel, Anisha, thank you very much. And uh, as uh, we've just mentioned, it's a starting point and I'm glad you are taking that first step with me. So thank you very much for joining. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>